Welcome to Seeds of Awakening. The show that you're listening to. My name is Forrest Daniel Dwyer. I'm alongside Kimberly Jacobson. Present. Thanks for being here. This week we interviewed who? Christy Lid O'Brien. And why did we do that? Because she's very cool. She is actually very, very cool. Um, Christy Lynn O'Brien founded a nonprofit and a school. Yep. Elements Learning Collaborative is the name of um, the, non- the nonprofit that Elements she is the co-founder of. Right. And Elements Nature School is the name of the school. Correct. Yeah. Ooh, exactly. One and the same, essentially, though. Um, very cool, unique school that uh, it's. she describes it kind of as a, a natural school. We jump into it right, off, right out of the gate. Um, and we kind of dive into the difference between the current education system and, and learning uh, in a more natural way, especially in the early years and some of the science that backs that up is pretty fascinating. So a couple of really cool things in terms of child education, but also even in parenting or um, being around kids, it was kind of helpful. Yeah. It's, it's just a really, it's a really incredible way to look at like development childhood development and then also how to integrate that into the household as well um and approaching things like problem solving and anxiety mm-hmm. and you know helping helping children tap into like developing who they are as individuals as a priority rather than you know textbooks mm-hmm. as the you know the immediate priority and i just think it's such a such a cool way to learn yeah, their school is fascinating. I think they, they go for the core of learning rather than um, the end result, which is really cool. And so I hope you guys enjoy the show. I hope you like Christy Lynn O'Brien. She is a fantastic person. They have a really cool fundraising event coming up yes. in November, early November. November 2nd, I believe. Um, November 2nd, Farm to Table Dinner, where you guys can support them and have a wonderful dinner um, In if you're in near Westport, Massachusetts. Yeah. Anyway, enjoy. So we're sitting here and we were just talking about kind of the just the foundation of how Elements was born. Mm-hmm. So do you want to speak a little bit about that now that we've <laughs> hit the record button? Absolutely, yes. Uh, so foundation is a great word to start with. Um, I have a teaching background, a traditional teaching background, a master's in special education. And then um, I had a great opportunity to teach a alternative program. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward, had my own children, took some time off, and then had this uh, feeling and thought that there needs to be another option in this area of uh, an education option that allows the kids to have a more healthy foundation, Mm. a more um, mind-body education. Yeah. Um, And there's preschools around the area that are offering that, and they offer a beautiful nature education, nature school, and Montessori, and there's Waldorf. Waldorf is a Waldorf school. (laughs) Yeah, you did? Mm -hmm. Oh, amazing. I have a quick question about Waldorf school. I just want to, this is just... I'm not an expert. A personal question. Uh, When I went to a Waldorf school, they told me that I shouldn't start reading until I grew my my front teeth back in. Is that still a thing? (laughs) That's super cute. (laughs) Um, So, I'm not an expert expert on Waldorf but okay. what I do know is they they early childhood is non-academic yeah 
not that they're not allowing it to happen or that they're anti-reading. They, they're, they want the children to develop, again, another uh, healthy, um, fundamental basis of self before they mm. before they start giving you um, f- recipes they want you to be that's huge yeah so that the in, any curiosity that's built into all children and that sense of wonder mm-hmm. and how they're natural problem solvers mm-hmm. babies children they're natural problem solvers and then we start interfering and it gets a little it's a little wonky yeah, yeah, it's a little wonky. So I love that part about Waldorf. But then I also have my traditional background. background. Right. You, that has, uh, you were just yeah. mentioning something before in terms of like as adults, we are finding ourselves in this weird position where we feel like we have to relearn a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Like we, you mentioned the mind-body connection. We have to kind of relearn that. People right. are going to yoga and meditation to try to figure this out. There's, We were just laughing about forest bathing now as a thing <laughs> because it's like we've forgotten that being in nature is important so and you were saying this part of the school that you're building is is about let's teach that to our kids at a young age so that we don't have to relearn it again when we get Mm. older exactly yeah so for me i guess i can describe it in this way i feel like we send children to traditional schooling for 12 years Mm -hmm. and then we say okay jump back into community like our society Mm -hmm. where they've been kind of in this box so just regimented yeah. and ordered be here at this time. <laughs> right. Yep. They have a strict schedule. There's lots of order. They have boundaries, uh, very defined boundaries. Mm-hmm. So when they're given the freedom of choice at 18, 19 years old, it's, it can be very o- overwhelming. For yeah. some, it's not. Some, it, they do very, very well. But for a lot, it's like, where do I belong where's my community like where's my village where mm. do what am I going to do next do I have to get a job or am I going to find that career do I have a passion there's so many questions whereas when we start young and allow that self to develop and um, nourish the mind body and also have that connection to our community mm-hmm. use the community as a wellspring of resources like collaborate with adults and yeah. working people in the community it's never not been there mm-hmm. so they grow as part of the society as positive members of society and they get to be 18 19 years old and then they don't need to spend their 20s searching um, and we right. all i think it's part of development that we do that anyway right but maybe not as much suffering <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> much pain. Much well, pain. it does definitely make me think of you know i i went through like a conventional public school system and then i also have some family who went through the homeschooling process but i do notice they're like so solid in their choices just grounded right. in the not knowing or they're grounded in whatever their path is and it's like oh wow yeah, they're okay that with that. That looks so nice. Yeah, <laughs> it feels okay. They're okay. They they know that just be. They know that already, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so part, you know, big inspiration is my own children, and I want that for them. So therefore, I want that for all children. Yeah. I've yeah. 
found <coughs> even with like I have a two-year-old nephew and I found even with him I have the tendency to like I'll ask him a question and then when he takes a little bit long to answer it like I'll try to feed him answers instead of giving him the choice and so recently I've just started asking him questions and then giving him a lot of space to just eventually he'll answer it and he'll come up with something he wants to do but I was curious like how do you approach for somebody that might not be teaching but might be interested in like applying this philosophy to their kids how do you approach giving your kids more choice instead of going into the structured kind of box school like mentality that that we kind of flip into sometimes right so um i would say we're we're very comfortable doing it with like toddlers we set up something for them to play with and we kind of just let them explore Mm -hmm. it most of the time um so i think when they start to become school age and we feel like they should be answering the yeah. questions and being interested and it's allowing them to have space and maybe thinking of it as um, being a somewhat of a curator like set stuff up but don't expect expect like don't have expectations right mm-hmm. um, process art is a good example of like you lay out the materials Mm -hmm. but then don't expect a certain outcome a certain end point like see what happens in the middle Mm. and most of the time if we give that space we're impressed and then you just have to do it again and do it again (laughs) and do it again (laughs) and it becomes more comfortable i even myself have to train myself to do that because of the traditional Right. teaching background that I have mm-hmm. and I want you, you have okay what is going to be the outcome you know what right. do we want them to take away and they may take away something that you don't see it's not visible right. so you just offer up the opportunity you offer the question and or an experience or a question and an experience and then allow it to just be Right, which um, is tough. It's really hard, but I think there's so many resources that would will like uh, make people feel more at ease about Waldorf, mm-hmm. Reggio Emilia, um, Montessori. There's so many yeah. thing. There's so much science behind the art of teaching mm-hmm. that I think they um, the people will be comforted. Um, parents will find comfort in knowing that you don't have to. What is like Guided. some of that science? I know we read something about a school in Finland. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Um, so what is some of that science that like this methodology still works and your kid won't be falling apart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, so. The science uh, Finland is taking. I'm going to forget the name of the test right now, but they. It was like P, P, the PISA PISA. Yes, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, P, definitely. <laughs> definitely <laughs> has. <laughs> um, they take this worldwide, this test that all, not all nations, but many, many nations take, and they're scoring consecu- consecutively in different tests over years. They're scoring very high. Okay. And they're not, they have a, a similar education model to Waldorf. As they're not um, attending academics until like the age seven Mm. and so they're more in like a preschool early childhood nurturing environment and then they start working on academics and then they are not um they're only in class for 
I think I, I have it quoted in <laughs> somewhere, but I'm forgetting. Um, they have, they're in class for a certain amount of time and then they maybe like an hour and then they, ev- yeah. they have movement breaks. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I read that something like in, in class for an hour and then like a 15 minute movement break or something. Yep. And that's uh, from. I could use that. Yeah. <laughs> we go, and if you think about working environments, right, all the best functioning working environments even in Boston and financial mm-hmm. c- companies uh, they're all working this into healthy a working right environment this is yeah it's but it <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like these things that we've forgotten like, for yeah, some we reason we yeah. know we need to move it's called yeah. PISA though uh, P-I-S-A yes, and they evaluate it. reading math and science yeah. and so they don't get any formal training until they're seven is that what you say right. mm-hmm. and then they're still sco- scoring higher than most other nations in they're in school reading. way le- for a uh, far less amount of time than mm-hmm. our children are in the United States and they're still getting it done mm. like yeah so why i mean we you were speaking a little bit about this but why do you think that is like what is it about really kind of nurturing those younger years up to uh, like around age 7 and before shifting into more of an academic setting? I think it's the, the natural cognitive development that happens. Um, just like we learn to walk, nobody's teaching us to walk. We'll end up learning to read mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. out of need. Right. Um, some of us have difficulties, and so we need a little bit of guidance like, to point something out and mm-hmm. say this notice this but the natural innate curiosity the natural cognitive development is so huge mm-hmm. that there's really no need to interfere until that time and play is so important mm-hmm. play is i think einstein says like the play is the um highest form of learning mm-hmm. or something like that that We'll believe that quote. Yeah. <laughs> it's not exactly. I'm paraphrasing. If Einstein said it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he was like, you know, a little socially awkward, yeah. but s- genius. So if we're yeah. worried about the academics, <laughs> um, he, I think the early childhood years, if we're uh, allowing for play and social development, then we're, those are the, the b- building blocks to have the cognitive ability to make the connections to new skills and academic um, fundaments so you're saying kids naturally have the ability and kind of desire to learn these skills anyway it's just about giving them an environment that works yeah Yeah. they do you put them in any new environment and they're all over it (laughs) all over it physically they're into that and we there's not i don't think there's anybody that can't say they learn better by they they do not learn better by doing Mm -hmm. like we all have our multiple intelligence but we all learn better by doing, by going through a process. Yeah. So you give a child a new environment, you give them a problem, you give them something to um, try to figure out, and they're, they're all over it. They can do it. They may not get to the outcome that you want at that moment, but they will eventually. Right. And it's so you yeah. act as a facilitator. It's interesting, too, because I <coughs> read a lot about people that, are more entrepreneurs or, or start their own company and are very successful. And one of the 
common threads is that they often aren't actually very good at traditional school, mm -hmm. but they're brilliant problem solvers. Yeah. So like when <laughs> they get focused on something they're interested in, they'll go through lengths to read about it and problem solve it. And so it's it's kind of funny. You said in um, something you've written that last like the current system's not not optimal. And we're just talking about this now, but lasting knowledge most often happens when you're doing something interesting to you or fun. Right. And so I, I do agree with that. My question, I guess, is, and you kind of talked about it being natural, but is there any way that in your school you guys are trying to encourage, because I, I saw you do teach literacy and math, like mm -hmm. is there any way that you're encouraging that outside of just the natural path, or is it? Yeah, so we do offer, um, we set up, we have letter stones for the younger ones, mm -hmm. and they have they manipulate them. And we we label things in our garden. Um, we make maps to get from point A to point B for our visitors. We <laughs> it's all project like real project based learning. Yeah. So in real life, there's need for literacy and mm -hmm. and math. Mm -hmm. So we just that's the so we let it happen naturally in that way. Create an environment where in order to thrive they'll need to learn how to yeah and we're not even doing much creating it, yeah, exists. it exists like mm. so we're based on a farm we're based mm -hmm. on around the bend farm for most of the year and it just the environment lends itself to the social emotional development the academic de developments so i often use like the garden as an example mm -hmm. when we go to plant our garden we have to go and we have to measure out our our mm -hmm. plot we yeah the and we are a mixed age group so for the younger ones that's just using a ruler and counting some numbers mm -hmm. for the older ones that's perimeter and area mm -hmm. um yeah. we divide up rows give me <laughs> nightmares <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so when you're doing it like that yeah, it's more fun because like you're problem solving it's, and it's way figuring more fun. it out and then you mm -hmm. actually kind of feel it if you're there i mean that's the difference i guess being in a classroom where right. i'm thinking like perimeter and area i'm working on a little test sheet yeah and yeah. <laughs> those kids are actually like walking walking the perimeter and area and right. feeling it yeah and like, oh yeah this is how big it is this is how i can explain it and then figuring out what can actually fit in that place right so there must be like like the division component of like division. okay how many of these things can i fit in yep. this right. area and then we do time duration because we have to learn about when these uh when the plants are going to be fruiting and when we mm -hmm. harvest them, then we're going to put in their place. So it's like, we could just do that. And <laughs> it's so funny because the, I always joked about like those math questions that you get yeah. that are like, if you have 1000 apples and you have to fit, you know, like, and what's the division to get? <laughs> how many apples would you need to I'm put in I'm always like, when would I ever have 1000 apples? Right. Well, but now these kids are garden, just like, that's yeah. a real situation. <laughs> this is it a doesn't real situation. It doesn't feel silly to them because it's like, yeah, it's a real situation. I we have to solve this problem. Exactly. <laughs> we have rotten tomatoes. How yep. We have this many pigs. How many are going to go? <laughs> <laughs> how many rotten tomatoes do we need to divvy up to get make sure all the pigs can leave an amount? <laughs> that's <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> but we don't even, you know, we don't even have to pose it. It just happens. It just, just happens. They yeah. figure and that. They, they come up with it. Yeah. They're like, we have, oh, we had collected all these tomatoes. Okay. Oh, we can't forget Duncan the boar. Right. Like It's always, I think, interesting, <laughs> oh too, when you learn something <laughs> by just creating it yourself. And then you, it's, I feel it's easier than to learn that there's a system that backs it up. Right. Right. So exactly. if I learn, like, I figured out how to do this math myself, and then somebody explains to me, well, there's actually something called, you know, multiplication division, then it's a lot easier. It makes sense in my eclipse. Yeah. Exactly. Brain, right. Yeah. yeah. So that's the, f the 
the fundamental, uh, the fun, the foundation that I'm talking about that through play that they build by literally building with blocks and digging and moving things and transferring things that when it comes time to see it in more of an abstract way, Mm -hmm. it can, they can relate to it. They can make a connection with it. Right. Yeah. So I know for me, I had an experience that when um, I didn't fully understand fractions until I was in college learning to teach fractions. And we were using manipulatives, little pieces, little wooden pieces to build the fractions and take them apart. And I didn't, I finally got it. And it was like, (laughs) I felt cheated almost. I felt like, I was like, oh my gosh, but also happy. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I get it now. I felt this way a lot in my life where I felt like the system was backwards because I learned something with no idea why I needed it. Right. And Mm -hmm. then when I was like 20 or 23, I'd be doing something and I'd I'd figure out how to do it and be like, oh, this is fractions. (laughs) This is why I would need to use fractions. Got it. Right. And then you feel like, oh, like, I'm glad I guess I learned this, but it took me, I had to figure it out again anyway. Right. Exactly. So the alternative models of teaching and I don't, I feel like we have to say that they're all alternative education models, but they're just they're just natural education yeah. models. But they allow for they allow for the person and their interests to grow, and then make those connections. And so yeah. then they're more lasting. They actually sink in. Mm-hmm. And I feel I wonder. Do you ex- experience less? resistance to the learning process because I think of myself and I and so many others who in school I'm like I don't understand why I need to know this Mm -hmm. and so then there's almost this like rebellion against the subject altogether and maybe I would love it but like I have no idea how it actually applies so there there's so much resistance right yeah definitely um when you set it up in a fun learning manner that they're 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 doing it, they want in. So they're yeah. not looking to get out and get out. <laughs> they're not looking to get out. They're not looking to avoid it. They're not and then there are some kids that aren't interested and that's a cool part too. We'll set up we'll set up a, a learning invitation and we'll invite all mm. of our students and there'll be a few children that decide to stay over um, climbing rocks they don't really feel like coming over they're really into what they're doing we allow that to be mm. and then most of the time those children will trickle over just to see just because I'm curious all my friends are over here yeah <laughs> let me see what they're doing mm-hmm. oh, okay and then they end up staying or they invite another friend who hey, want to come rock climb and that friend goes yeah I'm not really interested in this right now I'll come rock climb with you and that also that like that freedom and that reassurance that that's okay mm-hmm. Yeah, I think is really healthy as well. Yeah, um, <coughs> yeah, it works out. <laughs> it works out really nicely. There is like I struggle with um, I struggle with the kind of the pressure of society still. Yeah. Right. In like, okay, well, I want to make sure we're we're proving that we can um, educate. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then when I check myself and say, well. I'm educating my all the children that come to our program they know the trees around them they know the wild plants they can identify the wild plants around them they see the ones that are edible and they can tell you which ones are edible they are making 
connections with one one another they feel um that they're able to talk to one another and solve problems on their own Mm -hmm. we give them that freedom too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we give them in in saying no thank you we teach them to do it in a you know a polite healthy way right a pro-social way so i think that maybe they can take that home sometimes too um and it will overflow into their home life too with a brother and sister or mom and dad so i imagine I imagine that the parents who enroll their their children in this program it must be some level of open but do you find like you're giving them these skills and these options to say things like no thank you in a learning environment and then and then they have these new skills and these things that are allowed in a schooling environment and then they go home so ha- do mm. you ever run into this scenario where a lot of the things you're encouraging them to do in the learning environment aren't as encouraged at home? I don't because it is, we are making sure they're doing it in a respectful way. They do understand that like there's, um, there's opinions that are in place to keep you happy, healthy, and safe. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're on a working farm for instance, so we can't be just everywhere. There is order. We have to respect space. We have Mm -hmm. to respect that there's machinery mm-hmm. um we have to, we this is it's not a petting zoo we don't touch any of the animals so there's there's yeah. definitely we're teaching that in in a given setting there are social and um there are rules in place and social ex- expectations in place um to keep you like i said happy healthy and safe yeah so then it's just a little bit more without those rigid boundaries of this is what you do here they have a little more gray area and it's more like you're talking to an adult yeah sometimes where yeah. they do come back a little bit but we're we're teaching them well let, let's how could we say that in a a, a problem solving way so mm. it, like if we say come on over we want you to check this out no <laughs> it's that usually doesn't happen they right. know they're reassured that they can come check it out and then yeah. go back or they can say i'm going to finish what i'm doing right now and then i'll come back and it usually works and that type of stuff usually works in every setting yeah um and there are some times where we're like everybody needs to come here now um so that we can talk about our next part of the day yeah. and that's understood that that there are some times where we say oh i'm sorry you're going to have to pause what you're doing and come over yeah um it's collaborative problem solving yeah it's collaborative communication mm-hmm. um there's a psychologist his name is dr green and he came up um the idea that we're most of the time in settings where there's a boss or somebody in charge we're often using uh, a style problem solving which is like military style problem solving and mm-hmm. like i am your commander and you will mm-hmm. do as i say w- which usually you know, in mo- in most settings where somebody's supposed to be feeling that a level of respect, it doesn't work. So if you have a work yeah. environment where you have a boss that treats you that way, it doesn't feel good. You're not yeah. waking up wanting to go into work and do your best right. for that person. So, and same for children. Like if you have somebody that's just um, <laughs> a dictator, it doesn't feel great. If you have a benevolent dictator that keeps you happy, <laughs> healthy, and safe, um, you're more likely to be feeling 
um, secure mm -hmm. and assured. Um, and then if you have somebody that's willing to be a collaborative problem solving with you, then you're, you have that, um, you have that confidence to say, this is what I want. Is this, you know, can we do this? This is what I thought of. This is my idea. This is what I want. And then the, the adult in charge or the other person in charge will say, we can do that right now, or we'll do that later, or no, that's not safe. Yeah. And then they respect that. Do you feel like it's empowering for your kids also? Because like, I would just imagine in a, a typical environment, we're pretty much taught at a young age, like your ideas aren't really built for this and keep them to yourself for the most mm -hmm. part. It's all about empowerment. And so this is sounds like as a kid, I pretty much learned from a young age that it's okay to like follow my ideas and yeah. act on them. Yes. Yeah, so you said you went to a Waldorf school. Is that what you took I away? I went, I, went <laughs> I went for a couple of years. You the did. Waldorf school, I think I went back to an elementary school when I was in second or third okay. grade. So, that's so pretty I was young. pretty young. Yeah. But um, so my, my memories are very. Yeah, so that, but young. yes, yes, that empowerment is super healthy. Yeah. And it's like when we, as, whenever you, you tap into that empowerment, it's, it's not entitlement, it's empowerment. You are you can you have the ability to be yourself you have the ability to know your mind body you have your ability you have the ability to um express your own ideas and they mm -hmm. matter mm -hmm. and even just so i'll i'll give a little example um there's ideas that get, that's empowering but then there's the ideas that have already been in place that we have the power to understand and then change if we want to mm -hmm. so for instance there's tons of children that think band-aids take away pain right and that they're scared of pain they're scared of blood but band-aids will cure all mm -hmm. <laughs> band-aids and kisses yeah band-aids and kisses yeah so i like to teach um i like to teach the fact that our bodies heal it's our bodies heal themselves mm -hmm. our, and we have the ability to uh, use pain as a message and so at a, a little a, a young age where it's like really scary to get hurt and you need, we nurture, but we also say, hey, let's look at that. Like what's, what happened? What is happening? We teach about the fact that blood is good. It's cleaning. It's creating new cells to heal the wound. And we do nice deep breathing <laughs> to, for pain management. Yeah. Awesome. And so like little things like that, that they're not touching upon that at school at all. Right. Maybe your parents are, which is great, yeah. but maybe we can also give some parents some insight that don't, that think all things are being taken care of in school. I, that's what I want. I want. I want to be able to have a program where the, the parents are sending their children and all things are taken, the whole, that's holistic. Right. Like the whole yeah. being is being cared for. It's not just about the math and science it's not just about the math and science it will happen it will happen but it's not just about well i think it's cool i you we talked a little bit before about teaching things early on that we have to relearn as adults and i think i i teach in a yoga teacher training and one of the things that we have to constantly help people relearn is how to have confidence in their voice and their ideas again mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it's like something that's just drilled out of us so often so that's often the biggest challenge in somebody like stepping up is just having to relearn how to have confidence in like their own ideas and their own voice and what they can say absolutely yeah so it's pretty powerful to then empower a kid at a young age to be like it's fine you can you can yeah. have your own opinion 
Yeah, I just got chills because. <laughs> yeah, I it yes, that's a wonderful way to say that. Um, it's really important to me because I am still going through the learning process myself. Yeah, and I had this idea. I had these. I like you know daydream about something because it exists. It exists in all over the world. It just doesn't exist in this little pocket of mm-hmm. our world. Yeah. Um, so I would daydream about it and think about like what could I do or how who am I going to connect with and one of my friends was like you don't know you don't need to know how to do it just start Mm -hmm. and I (laughs) sat with that for a while like maybe a couple years (laughs) yeah and then finally I was like it came time where my daughter would have to go to kindergarten and I wasn't ready I wasn't ready so I'm like I'm gonna do this we're gonna do this Mm-hmm. and then the just the feedback of other parents and the need and the want of for this mm-hmm. is huge yeah so um yeah so the that the affirmations that you know the self-talk that that we have to do now to suppress those like yeah. interfering thoughts and feelings maybe these kids will have less of those and like y- your cousins you said you said nieces yeah or nephews? yeah yeah, maybe they'll be like, you know, those, they don't have to do so much self-talk. It's just figuring yeah. they can actually get to the problem solving. That's the piece that I think is so important. I mean, I grew up with parents that were um, both like, they both from a yogic background. Cool. So they kind of naturally had this philosophy in teaching us as their kids. And I think one of the things that was so valuable is as I got older, I realized like, how I approached challenges in my life was very different from how other people approach challenges in my mm-hmm. life because I was taught a lot of tools that at the time I didn't even realize were tools, but they were teaching me things like you were teaching, like take a, take a second to have a few deep breaths mm-hmm. and just like think about what's happening and like teaching me that things come in waves and you can accept challenges and take them on and how to problem solve and fix yeah. them. Mm. And so when you start to get older, you don't even realize when you learn it in a playful young way, when you get older, it's kind of just like, oh, everybody doesn't do this. That's interesting, but it's really helpful for when right. I come to challenges and I don't have to like go into a mental breakdown mm-hmm. about it. Yep. Which is cool. Yeah. I have kind of a completely different question. <laughs> sure. And I don't think there's actually a right answer to it, but yeah. it's more just curiosity because in the evolution of our society right now, a lot of things are happening where some people are talking about like kids at a younger age learning technology be mm-hmm. because uh, there's such an impact of it and there's going to be so many careers in different mm-hmm. technology and a lot of jobs are moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. So more just out of curiosity from like, if you have a stance on that or if you have any philosophy towards like yes, technology and, and learning it. So as you said, no right or wrong answer. <laughs> a lot of my stances are very individualized, mm-hmm. like pretty much all my stances, even edu- like it's, it's got to be individualized. We're all so different. Yeah. There's some core fundamental things that we can all do that help us, but we all operate very, very differently. Um, so the technology part, I think that. Be in honor of your classroom, we decided to do this interview outside. <laughs> so we apologize if there's an occasional motorcycle. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. We're in, we're in the, in we're embracing our community. Yes. Um, yeah, so <laughs> technology. Um, I feel very comfortable and confident with the fact that technology is super intuitive. 
mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. take a course at when you become maybe even as early as middle school mm-hmm. if that's something that interests you you can take a course and get caught up in mm-hmm. months maybe not even so i don't i don't plan on introducing it to right our younger children um i think that maybe we'll do some make some videos but use an actual camera mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. we the teachers you keep their phones away for the most part we do you take some photos if we don't have a, a real camera with us we'll use our phone to take a mm-hmm. camera but we do try to keep it as um n- low tech or no yeah. tech as possible but i think so as our program grows like right now we're early education because we're just starting out mm-hmm. but we're going to grow with the children and we'll offer um older older, yeah. older um yeah. opportunities learning opportunities so if there's an interest we will build in ways yeah we'll yeah. nurture that interest we'll set them up with um courses and people that can teach them mm-hmm. what they are interested in learning maybe apprenticeships yeah um Everybody could use an intern, I think. Mm-hmm. So, everybody, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I could, we could both use an intern. <laughs> I think actually it's really cool, and we were talking about this the other day that sometimes uh, the the level of addiction to technology we have causes a lot of anxiety. So I think yeah. it's really cool at a young age to not even feel like you need it all day. Um, but I also think when it comes to even jobs in technology, the real challenge isn't learning how to use it like that's something right. that can take a little while or an internship you can pretty much be caught up quickly it's more your ability to problem solve within that technology anyway so if you're teaching that level of being able to problem solve i don't think it's itch- right. i was just kind of more curious in terms of yeah. your view on technology yeah. yeah resourcefulness and and problem solving is like it's huge you can work your way yeah, yeah. I, I also do think we've reached this point now where maybe 10 10, 15 years ago, it was like, or maybe a little bit more, we would have computers in school, but like maybe you wouldn't be able to have one at home. Right. Whereas now it's just like there's technology and computers and digital everything everywhere that there's not as, maybe not as much of a need for it for hours on end in school because you can have access to computer everywhere. Mm. Right. Yeah. So it's, you know, I think there's that piece that like schooling could become the the digital detox <laughs> it could be. Um, yeah yeah it's always yeah i always think it's funny that we often tell kids to like get off of technology and it's like as adults we've been on technology for 10 hours in the day yeah <laughs> yeah we definitely have to yeah. model at home like have that spot where you put your phone and model that you yeah it can be away and you're gonna be okay yeah if you miss that text message you're gonna be okay <laughs> and it's gonna so be that the kids because like, honestly that's if you think about if you s- if you've seen a teenager with that phone that they're attached to, it's that like you said that anxiety. It's, like, yeah, it's tough to let go mm-hmm. too. Yeah, of just missing a text message. Never mind the like social media stuff that you're l- yeah. looking so for approval and yeah, that's that's all pretty intense. A lot of parents that I know of of children my age are are, are fearful, like mm-hmm. straight yeah. up fearful, and I try not to be fearful of it because that doesn't ever really produce any good. Um, I try to make plans and model mm-hmm. um, positive practice with yeah. it. Um, but also if you, so we are lucky um, in our 
community that we do mostly have computers mm-hmm. in our homes, and there's but there are communities that don't. Right. And um, the school, um, they're going to school, and there's technology there, and they're being told like this this will better you. You know, this will yeah. better you. But then they go back into their community, and it it has no place really. Right. Besides texting and communicating. Yep. So not why not work on those communication skills? Right. As opposed to the technology. Right. Um, so that's one too. It's like you want to uplift the um, the positive in the individuals connect them with the positive aspects of their community and from there they build they find what they're interested in they find themselves and then they will find those niches where they want to learn stuff you also i'm kind of on subject you are mentioning topic of anxiety mm-hmm. and i think you know people are finding anxiety in children at younger and younger and younger ages. So I'm curious, coming from like a conventional, um, like maybe public school classroom to this, like what do you notice in like the social and emotional aspects of the children you have in in like the nature program? So I, it, that is touchy (laughs) and I don't know. I, I um, read a lot and hear a lot about anxiety in school and where it's stemming from. And I think there's probably a little list you could put together of mm-hmm. where it's stemming from, but we can't totally blame any one thing. Yeah. Um, I think also if you have super chill parents that are giving you the confidence at right. home or um, you have less anxiety in school taking those tests. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I think... I think anxiety can it will stem from adults modeling anxiety some yeah. most mm-hmm. of the time um, messages you're given um, and then from there how you're able to interact with your environment so the children that come to our program they may come with some anxieties mm-hmm. but once they're with us for a bit and they understand our expectations and that they can just be, Mm -hmm. it melts away. Um, And usually the things that rile them up, get them anxious, have to do with home expectations um, or preconceptions that they're not going to be able to meet certain expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But once it's like like all school, like most of the the year, people are, uh, teachers are getting to know their students over the year, and then they switch and they get a new teacher. Yeah. So, throughout our programs, you'll see that you know the kids become more calm at the end of the program. So, if the children stay with us, as I hope that they do, and that's what our plan is, and mm-hmm. in a, I think Waldorf does this as well. You you have the same teacher from grade I think either one or two through eight so they won't be have that anxiety of am I going to be able to please what are the Mm -hmm. expectations going to be we're just teaching them like normal societal expectations yeah and that it's usually 
it should be based on setting. And if you have a question, you can ask a question. So again, mm-hmm. those tools to feel confident in having pro-social interactions should decrease their anxiety. Hmm. So what are some ways, um, what are some ways that you kind of problem solve with them if when okay. those thoughts or when like when anxiety comes up first of all we let them have their feelings so whatever they're showing because um, we all communicate in so many different ways mm-hmm. we can communicate with our body we can communicate with our voice we can communicate with an action so we we try to interpret but then we also let them tell us so we'll notice something, we'll have an idea, but then we ask them. So we sit with them, let them be. If they're sad, they're sad. We let them cry. If they're angry, we say, I noticed you're angry. And we let them be angry for a second. And then it, you know, it goes back because sadness is first. Mm-hmm. And then anger is a secondary emotion. So then it scales back and they're a little sad. And then we try to have a conversation. What happened? It might not happen right away. We might have to sit with them for a little while. They might choose an activity to do or somewhere to be Mm -hmm. and then we talk later but the conversation usually is I I notice you're having some feelings what are they Mm -hmm. some kids are able to tell you some kids aren't I can give a good example that I have um, one student that um, hurt his knee but didn't tell anybody Mm. and then was doing acting out and um with a loud voice and all his friends were asking, please stop, I don't like that, please stop, I don't like that. A teacher um, came over and said, please lower your voice, Will you please use a calm voice, or what would you like to tell us? Are you trying to get our attention? There's all these, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get to the, yeah. and he, it, it was a struggle. So then we just take him aside for a minute and give him a little space and tell him it's okay, first of all. I notice you're upset. Something's bothering you, but I don't know what it is. Can you tell me? And then he's told me his knee hurt. And so I was like, okay. It, that doesn't make sense to you and me. Right. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but it does because there's this child that's learning to communicate, mm-hmm. has feelings, like big feelings of pain, but doesn't know how to process them. And so it's just like alarming, like mm-hmm. <laughs> making an alarm sound. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something's wrong. Um, so <laughs> the more we do that rep- repetition, yeah, the child will learn to make the connection. I have pain. I feel sad. I'm upset. I'm going to use a word, help, at first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or I'm mad. You know, I feel upset. And then it goes to, I'm upset because right. mm-hmm. I want. And then they learn slowly how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> this is along the same lines, and maybe you answered it mostly there, but you you take a shot at the normal school system when you, <laughs> no, you didn't really, but <laughs> you said uh, Ooh, physical and geez. mental health are addressed retroactively rather than proactively, which I think is true. I'm not really that big yeah. of a shot, but is there any way or is it simply that that you address those two things proactively with your students there are and i will say i'll start off by saying there are some school systems some teachers that are doing it proactively yes. i won't say all of them because i definitely i was there so we don't I have to take a them. shot at everybody we don't have to take a shot no. at everybody nope 
I think, a, but you know like who the, you just are. Just the training is so different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that um, oftentimes there's the teachers aren't aren't given the the room mm-hmm. to be able to have that time. Right. They're not so they they can't possibly. There's no way they they could possibly do what I just said that I was able to do. Right, for because so you'd have to step teaching. away from a curriculum, <laughs> right? To you know meet those like emotional needs. Yep. And there's definitely times in our program where there's like, but we try we are we um we have the staff to student ratio where one person is absolutely available. At least one person mm-hmm. is absolutely available to take a child aside and address it. So I think in the schools they are coming up with now mind like mindfulness mm-hmm. programs. Um, there are therapists in school settings, yeah. Um, but unfortunately, they just don't. The focus and the expectations of the curriculum uh, don't allow them time, or I mean probably financial budgeting as well mm-hmm. like maybe they there are some schools that can afford or some programs that can't afford right. to have a um a mindfulness teacher a yoga teacher a um a therapist that can be there not just for this for two hours on tuesday right so is that something uh-huh. you guys do you do mindfulness and yoga within yeah yeah yes so we do yoga we do qigong oh that's, that's awesome. so fun it's really fun I've we That's use amazing. animals. <laughs> I have this beautiful um, woman, Diana. She volunteers her time. She's a retired nurse, and she comes and teaches um, with us. And she uses animals to name the poses. And Perfect. so the children learn. Um, she has this wonderful. I'll, she will not mind if I share. She has this wonderful breathing technique of um, mountains rise up, rivers flow down, and the kids can use their hand. And they go up one finger and down oh the other that's finger. Cool. Mm. And some of them came up with that they start at the base of their palm and go to the tip of each finger. And it's it's sensory mm-hmm. and it's soothing like and it teaches the deep breathing. And um, just, yeah, so we practice that weekly. Uh, we also, that she comes weekly. We practice um, mindfulness every day. We take moments after play. We take moments after learning. And we just sit with our thoughts. And you do not have to talk. We prefer you don't talk. <laughs> uh, no, and then you know some of them do love to share, and then others just want to be s- like there. And we sit in the woods usually, and we just listen. So is that how you guys practice mindfulness? Mostly sitting in the woods and listening, or is sometimes, and yeah, and then other times it's um, with our meals. We try. Everybody's sitting down. We try to slow down. We talk about what we're eating. Mm. Um, so there's just little yeah. ways of doing that we at our garden we practice mindfulness of um talking about the space and the rose and the plants and and being aware of just your surroundings i think mm-hmm. that's what mindfulness is to me right. um being aware of your surroundings your own feelings your own wants and expectations and then kindly and slowly because kids move fast mm-hmm. so we we do have a balance of like letting them just be and move and climb and yell and then slow down. And what did that feel like? Yeah. And what does this feel like? How does it compare? And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's really nice um, for, and it's brilliant to see them make those connections and 
after you know climbing a tree and being feeling amped mm -hmm. just so amped and then decompressing and grounding again so literally so up in a tree and then, <laughs> and then grounding <laughs> oh that's incredible yeah what it it must be it's such an interesting environment to spend so much time in but like it is yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like being around small humans just like remind you to be creative and like in wonder about everything oh my goodness they they're a course like they're a, a training course in themselves every single day it reminds me to be aware to be patient to um, be creative like you said mm -hmm. uh, I'm so I feel very grateful and there are days where I end the day and I was like oh I can pretty much every day but <laughs> days, some <laughs> days more than others that I could I could have done that differently I could have done mm -hmm. that better and that is okay yeah right so, and that's another right huge component you're learning yeah. as well so maybe somebody had like a hard day I had a tough day I had a hard day that's okay we'll do it again tomorrow and it'll be different maybe maybe <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious about so right now is it ages three to seven or three to ten three to ten wow. um the children enrolled right now are mostly um it's three to eight okay so we haven't we don't quite have the nine and ten year olds at yep. the moment so we are young yeah in bo in many ways yeah um but that's what we have at the moment and what is what is the hope like what going forward what is the the hope or intention for growth the hope there's this is a big this is a big question there's lots of the big ask <laughs> <laughs> um so like any organization or business we have you know three and five and ten year plans mm -hmm. um, my partner rachel and i right now we want to we're going to hone in on this program and make it quality and the best it can be um we have a teepee as our outdoor classroom we're on around the bend farm we use Sandy Woods Arts and Cultural Center in the dead of winter. Yeah. We have a nice cozy spot there. Um, my in, my hopes and my in, our intentions are that it will grow. Um, so we'll keep our early mm -hmm. ed childhood education, but then it'll grow into um, the higher elementary years mm -hmm. and then the middle school years. Mm -hmm. And then for high school, um, there's a great, existing model called the North Star model yep. and is a gentleman out in Western Mass and um, they have a, a, a sort of like an apprenticeship like you can take your courses you can have your interests and be and want to learn about what you want to learn about you can also take time mm -hmm. and get to know yourself um, but in that in that meantime we'll be supportive and you'll have a community that you've you know mm -hmm. will have will allow you to be connected to your community and your s and the uh, social setting so that you don't feel lost that you just feel like you're you just are you're just being yeah and then once they do have an interest or they do like something then we'll set up an apprenticeship for them to learn with say there's a um, boat builder mm-hmm and so we'll set up an apprenticeship with the boat builder so that they can help out and learn. Mm -hmm. Say they want to work on the farm. There's already children or young adults, I should say, um, middle school age kids that come and work on the farm and help out and learn 
whatever they're into mm. is it if it's the animal husbandry or the the gardening itself um so we hope to collaborate more with members of our community experts professionals and um and then just and grow slowly because yeah. we want our our program to be pretty intimate yeah mm-hmm. um and so that we know our participants because mm-hmm. right now we're, we're definitely feeling like a, a family so it's lovely yeah and then we get to also help the parents so we do um right now we're doing homeschool q, q- and a's um because the students at our school age that come to elements they register as homeschooled children okay homeschooled students so they register with their school district um so we get together as a community and we talk about any questions concerns and we usually have a panel of experts that will answer these oh, nice. questions and <laughs> yeah reassure our our families that are like well, i want this but i'm not sure how to make it work for me mm-hmm. so we have stuff like that um we want to offer everything that we offer for the kids to the parents so the mindfulness the qigong the yoga the gardening cooking Mm -hmm. we want to um be able to offer classes and outreach programs to involve the whole family yeah so that it can be a consistent overflow from our program to home awesome that's so great what is it right now you're working on um that kind of the community can be aware of or the Mm -hmm. community can help support Yes, so we, um, we're fundraising right now. We'll be selling tickets to a farm-to-table dinner November 2nd at Round the Bend Farm. So it's a family-friendly event. Uh, we'll have activities for the kids. We'll have hay rides. Um, we'll have a big fire going in the teepee, and That's you fun. can see our learning and little uh, our meetings place. Cool. Uh, we'll be able to tour our garden. And this is the fundraising will, will help our scholarship program because we do we started right out of the gate with offering scholarships because we want this to be accessible for all people interested so um, yes we need we need um, funds for our scholarship program our programming staffing so that we can you know offer compensation to collaborators we have wonderful people that offer their time as volunteers right now but it would be really nice to exchange you know exchange for that energy and that time so we finish all of our episodes (coughs) with three seeds okay (laughs) relatively quick answers okay never are that quick but no pressure (laughs) um the first my favorite question which is if you had a billboard that the whole world could read yeah what would it say (laughs) um yeah I thought you might ask this. I was going to prepare, <laughs> and then I was like, no. No, I, I I'll just let it fly. Um, <laughs> so my billboard. We want to get people to draw their billboards. We should have brought paper. I know. Yeah. Ooh, know. see, that be, I could do. That would be more fun. That I could that, do. We're going to start doing that. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a billboard on the side of the road, um... It would say, you belong. Mm. Mm. Immediately, oh, who sings that song? You belong to the light. (laughs) (laughs) That just immediately pops into my head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you belong. Um, 
Where it's we belong. Yeah. <laughs> your whole your whole being, you belong. <laughs> work on that. That's good. <laughs> Draw it for us and send yeah. it in. Yeah. yeah. Um, our second question is, what is your go-to book to give as a gift? Can you have your oh kids man. draw us billboards? Yes. That would be so yeah. fun. Oh we'll my gosh. That's a great question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of, um, we adopt like little parts of Waldorf and Reggio Emilia and Montessori and, um, the part of Waldorf they do, they, they create their own textbook. It's called the main lesson book. Mm-hmm. So they, you take a lesson, you teach them, and then they, they create the textbook. So whatever, so as if they're teaching somebody else. Oh my gosh! And they're amazing. Like picture like three and four and five year olds, like you know, writing the book about sweat bees, and other kinds of bees and pollinators, and it gets pretty awesome. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, (laughs) but I ah, that's a that's a very that's a really tough one. I love the children's book, All the Water in the World. All the Water in the World. All the Water in the World. I'm actually always looking for children's books, so yeah. that's great. This is, I'm like, <laughs> right now, this is what I'm into right now. <laughs> All the Water in the All World. All the Water in the World um, is a great one. And it talks about the water cycle. Perfect. Great. But in these awesome illustrations. Can I give you like five? Like that's what, oh man, I'm sorry. One book. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's hard. really hard. I'm always just promoting the book I'm reading. Um, yeah. Lastly, if you weren't founder of a very cool school and a teacher, what would you do with your life? No, again, <laughs> again. So you're getting a glimpse at my personality. Um, I have a list of things that I want to be. Ooh, <laughs> what's the craziest one? <laughs> <laughs> They're not crazy, and I'm I'm doing pretty well. Oh, nice. With what I want to be, so Congrats. teacher, artist, uh, massage therapist, dancer. That I guess that would be my craziest one. <laughs> Not dancer like <laughs> like Left Shark. Uh, was that um, the one of the Super Bowl that was just gone crazy? I just want yeah. I want to like. I didn't take. I took dance like till third grade, and then I stopped. But I want to go dance like yeah. just. I want to go take some classes regularly and. And just dance. dance. Like, don't I put know. on a show. Like, I, I just d- want to do that. Salsa <laughs> dancing for me is like it. It sounds like you just want to dance with yourself I just wanna, a little bit. Well, no, I want to dance. I like being around people. I love yeah. okay. people. So I want to dance with a group. I want to have <laughs> choreography that we learn. Um, but then there's just no need to do it. For yeah. No, we don't need to show we anybody. We don't need to show anybody. It's just for ourselves. Yeah. We, we did it. Look at this. Um, so where can people find you? Or not you, but the Elements Nature Program and support it or just read about it or if they want to, like, come to one of the Q&As. Right. We're on Facebook. Okay. Um, Elements Learning Collaborative. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also on Indi- Instagram, our nature program, Elements Nature Program. It's Elements underscore nature underscore program on Instagram. And we will have a website in okay. the near future. <laughs> and so we'll throw that on Facebook and make sure everybody knows about that. Um, we're at Round the Bend, so they we have open farm days every third Saturday of the month, mm-hmm. and we are m- we're there most of the time. Sometimes we're not, but you can go there and visit the farm, see the yep. teepee, um, and get an idea of the setting. It's just it's everything. The setting there is 
pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we will make sure we put all of our events on Facebook. Awesome. Perfect. So check it out. Support the program. It's really, I think it's such an awesome thing you guys are creating. So um, support it. And November 2nd, you guys are having a fundraising dinner that sounds like it's farm to table and delicious anyway. Oh my goodness, yeah. um, Awesome. Thank you so much for being on Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you.